Shalom Abrocha, we are up to Meseches Bob, Kama Daf Pei Test. Today is the Daf discusses a father leaving a property to his son and before he dies, how that would be different than mother giving it to her son instead of the husband. We discussed Takonas Usha, the husband has rights in his wife's stuff, the parents. Be able to retrieve it after it's sold. We discuss the Tevis I know of a woman, why a woman doesn't have to sell her super rights, which is 100% hers, to be able to pay for Chavala, which she causes. And we discuss what would happen if she gave the Chavala to her husband. Is that different? Yesterday we had a case of a mother who left her Nechassim for her son before she died. So the question was if the husband was allowed to take those Nechassim from the son. We tried to bring a proof from a case of a father who left his Nechassim for his son after he died and so we said that if the son sells it that would work after the father dies now the payers are absolutely free if the son died first we have says that the payers aren't the goal for the property so it's not really the father's and then it's 100 percent sold but now if Yehuda comes in and he says over here the husband only has the payers not the goof Rabbi Huda says that you can't compare that case to our original case where we had of Shmuel Bar Abba who wanted to get these nechassim of his mother's. Why is it different? So Yosef says, trying to understand why Rabbi Huda doesn't like the comparison. But we said, if the, the son is writing his nechassim to his father, then yeah, we could say that like Rish Lakish, that Kenyan of the Paris isn't the Kenyan of the Guf itself. But when the father is writing it to the son, the son has it anyways. He's going to get it as a Yerusha. When the father makes this statement of writing it off to his son while he's still alive, he's showing that he's giving up his rights to the Paris. You can't bring a right from there to a case where there's no built-in Yerusha. It's this uh, Abai says, you're telling me that the only difference is that a son is Yairish the father. A father would also be Yairish his son if his son dies first. The whole reason why people are writing off these properties is to prevent someone else from being Yairish it. So it's a perfectly good riot from a Mishnah. What's Rabbi what's Yehuda saying that you can't learn from here? Alamai, Rabbi Yehuda must be saying that it's dissimilar because of Takona's Usha. Rabbi Yehuda says that in Usha they made this Takona, that if a woman sells her Nechseh Melug, the properties that she brings into the marriage that the husband's able to use the Paris of, but it's still her stuff, she owns the Guf, she's allowed to sell that while her husband's alive. If the husband dies, oh, when she dies, the husband's allowed to pull back from that sale because the Maisa, the Guf, is his. That's the Takanas Usha, that the husband still has a stake in his wife's property through the Paris. Now, Ravidi Baroven says, the first Raya to Takanas Usha, that the husband has this right. The Mishnah says that two of them come in testifying that this guy divorced his wife and gave her her, her, her ksuba. Turns out that they're Edim Zoymimim. They don't have to pay the entire ksuba, even though they were trying to make him pay her the ksuba, pretending that he had divorced her. 
He just has to pay the Tevis Hana of the Ksuba. Tevis Hana is how much someone would pay for this Ksuba. The thing with the Ksuba is that she may never collect it. It's possible that he dies first, or they get mar- stay married forever, and then the Ksuba is a non-factor. So it's not intrinsically worth money. It has this potential worth. That potential value is called the Hana's Ksuba, the Tevis Hana. It's a bit of a gamble. She sells it, then whoever she sells it to would be able to collect it if she ends up getting divorced or dies. If he dies. Now I can prove from here that we hold of Takanos Usha, that the husband retains a stake in his wife's Kenyan Guf, the thing that she owns the core of. Why would the husband be Yorish his wife? She would be able to sell her ksuba entirely, and the husband would not be able to get anything from that. Abai, however, says this is not a good raya. Because that wasn't talking about Nechzimilog, that was talking about Nechzitzoyin Barzel. Over there, the husband actually does own the guf of it. But Tzoyin Barzel, he owns the Paris as well. The guf and the Paris. By Nechzimilog, the wife holds on to the guf of it, and he just gets to have the Paris, whatever this thing produces. Rabbi tries a different raya. First, he says, Once we're mentioning toivas, I know the value of a ksuba. Let me tell you uh, about that. The toivas, I know. She sells a ksuba. That money is 100% the wife. The husband has no claim on that money. Because otherwise, the Edom wouldn't be losing anything by claiming there's a divorce. If she had sold a ksuba and now has the, the toivas, I know payment from it. Baal would just take that from her. It must be that that's hers 100%. But Rav says she still would be getting paid because even if the Baal takes the money, the wife still wants that money to be in her family. We're going to live in a home that has financial stability. So that itself has a value. Now Rav says... At, at the end of the day, the aloha is that the, the Teva is 100% property of the wife and she sells her ksuba. The Baal does not get even the payrus of that money. Why? Because the husband only gets payrus of the wife's property, not the payrus of the payrus, not the financial compensation that she got for her ksuba. But in a second explanation to back up the Takonas Usha that the husband has a stake in his wife's property, their papa and Rav Hunderbred of Yeshua came back from the Bay Rav and they have another Mishnah to back up Takonas Usha. The case was of an Eved and an Isha. Our Mishnah, tying back to uh, Baba Kam over here, said that encountering an Eved and an Isha is not a good idea because if you hurt them, Yechayev, if they hurt you, they're Potter. Now, why is a woman potter for hitting somebody, for causing a wound? If not for the Takonas Usha, we would be able to say she can sell her Nechsei Malug, which the husband has no stake in without Takonas Usha, and she'll be able to pay for it. The Gemara says, hold on a second. Even without Takonas Usha, she can sell her Ksuba, and everyone agrees that the money she gets for the Ksuba, that is hers. Without Takonas Usha. LMI. Both cases are talking about where she doesn't have that. She doesn't have Nechzei Malug to sell. But why not sell the Toivas Hano of the Ksuba? 
So we have three opinions, options, understandings, why we don't make a woman sell her ksuba and use that value, which is 100% hers, to pay for a chavala which she causes. Or mayor first says, because it's also for a man to be with his wife even for a second without a ksuba. The Gemara says, no, hold on, that was only just so that the husband won't easily divorce her. You have to have a ksuba to make it mechaev. But over here, he's not going to divorce her even if he did sell her, because even if she sold it, he divorces her, and then whoever she sold it to is going to collect it from him. So it's still not uh, a quick decision. He's still going to have to pay the ksuba, just not to her. Salamai, the reason why we're going to make her sell the ksuba is because the toivas hanoa of ksuba, that's not a real value. That's just mealy, just words that we're not going to be mashabit her to pay that. The woman says, really? What are you talking about? These are words which she can sell and make money. The ksuba does have value, even though it's just words, but it's a, it's a gamble. And if these words come to fruition, if she gets a divorce, or he dies, it's worth money. So third answer is said from Shmuel, that if someone sells a star choiv to his friend, and then he's moichol, that star choiv, the mechila is a good mechila, and the guy who bought it doesn't get paid. So we're worried over here that she's going to sell the rights to her ksuba, and then she's going to be moichol, her husband, to pay the ksuba. So the Gemara said, no, just like any other star, why can't she do that? The Gemara says, no, no, because over here, it's not just like a havamir that she might be moichol her husband. She's definitely going to be moichol her husband for paying this ksuba. So we're just transferring this financial onus from the husband onto whoever, whatever poor soul buys this ksuba, which is about to be unpayable. Or unnecessary to be paid. She's going to be mechalet. I why not give this ksuba to the person who she wounded? So that the husband won't be losing anything. Gemara says, no, no, no. She's definitely going to be mechal, the husband. And then we're making Bezdin go through this whole act for nothing. So the Gemara suggests a, a, a case where maybe we can make her sell her ksuba. If she gave a wound to her husband... There, she should have to pay him the value of her ksuba. Rice says she doesn't. Ah, if, he's, if she's moichel him, no one's going to get a loss. The Gemara says, no, this is definitely a mayor's case of leaving a husband with a, an easy way out of his marriage. We need a ksuba to, to bog him down a little bit, make it not so flippant. But now the whole ksuba just disappeared. Gemara says, we're already in that state because what's going to happen? He divorces her and then she had punched him in the face before he divorced her and he's at, she still has to pay him that value. So he has nothing financial that's holding him back from divorcing her. The Gemara says, well, if the ksuba is a lot more money than the value of the chavala, then he's still going to be held back. To save a couple of bucks from this chavala, he's not going to divorce her and have to pay her the entire fortune. The Gemara says, one second, if the ksuba is worth more than the chiv de of 200 zuz, so why don't we make him pay 200 zuz? And then the rest of it will be his in compensation for the chavala that she caused him. And this domestic abuse. The Gemara says, we're talking about where it wasn't worth more than 200 zuz. Chavala was four zuz. For four zuz, it's not worth losing a hundred zuz. Twenty-five sloim. I have a bracer that says we learned that just like she's not 
allowed to sell her entire ksuba while she's married. She, she's also not allowed to use it as payment for causing chaval or something like that. Well, that, that's how we're assuming the, the Bryce is, is teaching us. The thing is that if he wounds, if she wounds him in a way that costs more than the ksuba, the ksuba is worth more than the regular daraisa ksuba. He is going to be taking a loss. So Rava says, the Sefer is talking about a, a ksuba for the children. The ksuba's benin dichrin is where someone has a, a bunch of different wives and each wife comes in with a certain amount of money and a certain amount of children. And the children want to make sure that if the father dies, they get a fair share of their mother's original estate, of her, of their mother's ksuba. So each wife gets their own fat ksuba and they divide up the ksuba amongst the kids, benin dichrin, before the rest of the arusha. So that price is teaching us a totally separate halacha. That just like if a woman were to sell her ksuba, there's no loss incurred. So too, if she were to sell it, her kids are still able to collect their portion of the ksuba. Even after she sold it, they retain those rights. It's like the, the payrish boy. Why? Because we assume that she only sold it because she desperately needed the money. She didn't really want to sell it. So so too. If she's going to be selling, quote-unquote, her ksuba to her husband, because she hurt, she gave machabola, the benindichrin aren't lost. The kids still get their cut of the ksuba because he only gave, she only gave it to him out of an oinus that she had to pay him for the chabola. Thank you for learning with me. Have a wonderful day.